On this week's Adam Schefter podcast, we'll be joined by a pair of defensive standouts. The Washington Redskins cornerback D'Angelo Hall, who has told reporters he wouldn't be playing anymore. But then the Washington Redskins clarified that, so we will go straight to the source to find out what his future in the NFL actually is. And then we'll be joined by the Oakland Raiders linebacker, Bruce Irvin, who went from being homeless and a high school dropout to becoming the first member of his family this offseason to get his college degree in sociology from West Virginia. An incredible accomplishment. But first, D'Angelo Hall. D'Angelo! What's going on, Adam? How are you, my friend? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How about you? Where where do we find you on this fine Monday? (laughs) Getting ready for my Twins uh, baseball game. (laughs) Twins? How old are your Twins? Six. Uh, Wow. And and, and do do they have daddy's athletic genes where, you know, when... Oh, yeah. Yeah, they do, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're pretty. They're pretty amazing. Sometimes they uh they lead me in awe just how how quick they they uh they pick things up and just how athletic they are. So yeah, they chip off the old block. <laughs> well, that's uh, you have six children with your wife. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Three boys, three girls. Wow, that's unbelievable. That you you, you almost <laughs> have enough to field your own football team there, D'Angelo. I know, I know. We definitely uh, mix it up every now and then when we get get a little competitive in flag football and kickball and you know basketball games and things like that. Is there one of the six that's already you've identified as an athlete of the family? You know what, Adam? I don't. I'm not saying this just being a being a dad, but I mean they're all pretty athletic. Like my oldest is uh, 16. He plays uh, varsity football, wrestles. And uh, and play uh, baseball as well. So um, he's a really good athlete. He's getting recruited now. Then I have a 12 year old girl who is uh, a cheerleader and plays a little basketball, and she, she's on a competitive cheering team that travels around. As well as my 11 year old girl and uh, eight year old girl. <laughs> wow. And, and 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 the last two are the twin boys, and so they they play everything depending on the season. So. We got a pretty athletic family. My wife was a cheerleader in college too, so um, she she's been known to uh, mix it up a little bit too. No wonder you've played as long as you have in the NFL. You got to support all those kids. That there's a reason that you, you <laughs> that you've hung on as long as you have. I know, right? I got weddings to pay for and colleges, <laughs> and so yeah, yeah. Kids never uh, disappear, as I figured out with my mom. So I'm always around. So bring me up to date, D'Angelo. There was the recent news that we thought came from you that you told reporters that you were planning to retire or you were done playing football. The Redskins then tweeted out a tweet saying you were not retiring. You were still finalizing your plans. So fill me in. Where is the missing link here? What's going on? I mean, the missing link is, you know, I haven't completely ruled out playing football. Um, You know, it's still just that little bit of, chance that, you know, for the right situation that I, you know, that I, I would come back and play. Uh, with that being said, I've been um, doing a lot of TV stuff here recently, and I'm, you know, I'm enjoying that. And so um, I definitely want to do some TV stuff. And so, you know, just trying to figure out, you know, what's the best situation for myself and my family. And so I'm right now just waiting on some of those uh, national networks to kind of come back at me with a you know, with the deal and just try to figure out if that's, 
you know, the best situation for me as opposed to playing. You know, I, I, I made the statement at a golf tournament that, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be going back out there on the football field. And a follow-up might have been, you know, how sure? And I'm like, I, I, you know, really sure or positive I'm not going back out there. And so, you know, I said that, but I never made, the, you know, made the statement, I'm, I'm, I'm retiring or I'm officially retired. So, you know, I feel like over the course of my career, I think I've earned the opportunity to, when I do announce, to, to do it the right way, you know, in front of my family, in front of the Redskins, faithful, supported me all these years. And, um, you know, and, and, and do it that way, you know, at that golf tournament, uh, Bruce Allen was there and, you know, he was kind of, you know, a little taken aback by, Hold on, what do you mean? You didn't tell me first or you didn't, you know, and I'm like, no, no, that's definitely not the case. When I, when I say it, or, or when I officially retire, I'm going to be the one, you, you're going to hear it come out of my mouth first, Adam. So what would it take for you to come back? You say the right opportunity. What yeah, would it take? Yeah. Let, let, tell everybody here, D'Angelo, what you're looking um, for, so we can try to get you that job. <laughs> you know what? I told I told the guys out there, in L.A. with the Rams, man. You know, I'm good buddies with a you know with a couple of those coaches on that staff, and you know some of the players. And so I made the comment like, you know, if L.A. wants to get Odell Beckham, maybe I come back out and and, and and jump on that roster and try to take the ring and be one of those veteran presence, you know, in the locker room just to keep 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 things going, keep things civilized, as opposed to going out fighting for a starting spot. I would definitely um, relocate myself to a backup role and a mentorship role uh, if, if the opportunity presented itself to try to uh, win a Super Bowl ring. Sure, Adam. What about the idea of playing for somebody in the Redskins division, like the Philadelphia Eagles, who are always looking for help at cornerback? Uh, uh you know, I you know I don't want to take a line out of Dez Bryant's playbook, but you know, with him saying the statements he said about he don't know if he can go back to Green Bay because there's so much history there. Yeah. I don't know if I could go to you know Philly and Dallas and New York, knowing that I grew up a lifelong Redskins fan and just knowing the the rivalry we all have for those guys and the disdain we really have for just the way we feel like they portray themselves on the football field. And so I don't know if one of those uh, teams in our division would even be, a, you know, appealing to me at all. Yep. No offense to the Eagles or anything they got going on. Um, you know, they're coming off a Super Bowl. But, yeah, that's just probably, you know, I wouldn't sell my soul for, uh, for a ring. You know, I've built a lot in this community, and I don't want to, um, you know, tear it all down by trying to go to an arch rival. What about the idea of going back to Washington? Is that still possible, D'Angelo? Um, I mean, you never say never, you know. I I think with me calling, uh, you know, D.C. and Virginia home, if I did come back to a place um, and just pick up and play middle of the season or something came up, um, you know, that would definitely be a place with me already knowing the defense and knowing the coaches and just the familiarity with, with a lot of those moving pieces. That would be a situation that would be a lot easier to solve than, than some of these other ones, like going other places try to play so what would we be looking for in a tv network give me an idea of the <laughs> ideal d'angelo hall television job oh man i would love to do a pregame show i mean goodness gracious you know i would like to sit down and talk about all all the teams in the national football league and their matchups and break down film and you know just from a defensive guy's perspective especially a secondary guy there's not a lot of us out there giving our 
kind of two cents. And, you know, we're the guys who tend to play a little more chess with those quarterbacks back there than anybody else. And so, um, you know, I would love to get my perspective on, you know, on a pregame show, something like that. You know, I'd love to play cornerback. So what we could do is we could work out a trade here. You can come do my job with Mort on a Sunday, and I get to go out and run through a tunnel, charge onto a field, and then, of course, I'll embarrass myself, but at least I'd be out there trying to play cornerback. What, what do you say about that deal? <laughs> my job for your job and, and future considerations, too, D'Angelo. Hey, Adam, I don't have a contract right now, so my job is technically I don't have a, a roster for you to uh, jump on and run out of a tunnel <laughs> on no team, but, heck, we definitely could have made that deal work. <laughs> well, I'm sorry that we didn't make that work at some point in time. So if you do not go back and play again, if it does go down that way, how will you look back on your career? Um, you know, I felt like before I got, you know, those back to back to back to back injuries, um, the last three or four years of my career, I think I was going to pay for, for a nice little hall of fame career. Um, you know, with that being said, things didn't play out like I would have, hope to or like to at the end but you know I'm satisfied in just the growth and the maturity and the life lessons I've learned you know from this game and you know I think I rank rank up there as you know one of the one of the best corners to play the game obviously not the best but you know when I was in my prime it wasn't a matchup or one-on-one that that I feel like I you know I couldn't have won so um you know I definitely think I'm in that conversation uh but you know, more so than anything, you know, I've, I've, I've learned and grew so much as a player um, from this National Football League and from the game of football that, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. All that stuff, was, you know, is, is nice, but I'm just so happy with the man that I've become and the father and husband and, you know, brother and all those things that I've become because of the lessons I've learned along the way. Good for you. You know, there are a lot of things that I remember about your career. I know that since 2004 – You've had more interceptions, 43, than any player other than Ed Reed, Charles Woodson, and Asante Samuel. I remember that you had essentially a situation where you tied an NFL record with four interceptions in a game against Jay Cutler in October of 2010. I remember the fact that you had five interception returns go for touchdowns and five fumble returns for touchdowns. But what I also remember is that the Atlanta Falcons drafted you and they wound up trading you the Raiders for two picks in 2008. And Al Davis signs you to a big contract. I think it was like, uh-huh. correct if I'm wrong, it was like a, it was like a $50 million deal. Am I right, D'Angelo? Something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Okay, yeah. so, something close. And you played eight games for the Raiders and he cut you. How yeah. does, how does that happen yeah. that a team goes and signs you to such a huge contract and then releases you eight games into the season? You know what Al Davis' words were? He initially told me he wanted me to take a pay cut because he said, we're not as good a football team as I thought we were going to be. Um, and so he said, you know, we need some of that money back so we can go, you know, get, get some more better players. wasn't a, a shot at me. It was just, hey, we, we, we weren't very good. And I remember that offseason. He spent a lot of money that offseason on myself, Brill Wilson, uh, Javon Walker, who was actually still injured and I don't even think ever played a game for us. He paid some of those linemen. Uh, God, I can't even think of some of those big D linemen we had at the time. Yep. And so he had spent a lot of money. So I kind of understood where he was coming from, but it didn't make sense because I felt like I was playing, you know, good football. Um, I think I had three picks through eight games. Um, 
you know, but we were getting 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 to be pretty bad. And um, partly, you know, because we had a young quarterback in Demarcus Russell who just wasn't wasn't very good for for what we were trying to do. I'm not going to say he was a bad player because yep. um, I think if, if if someone would have just tailored anything to stick to what what he did, he could have been pretty good. But um, uh, you know, we just weren't good at the quarterback position. We had drafted Dan McFadden, um, like two or three or four or something like that. And so it made sense. You know, I, I didn't take it for, you know, because I wasn't a guy who was going to lie to you. He was going to tell you exactly how he felt. And so, you know, when I sat in an office and talked to him, I believed everything he said. And we were a team that needed better players. We needed to spend the money. But I was like, look, I'm, I'm the way my deal was structured, I wasn't even getting the eight million in year one and seventeen in year two. I'm like, man, there's no way I'm redoing my deal until I get that seventeen next year. And so he was like, Well, you know, if you don't redo your deal, we're probably gonna release you. And, you know, a week later, he was like, Hey, don't come to the facility and I was like, All right And that's kinda how you know, how it played out. But, you know, I wouldn't change that situation for anything in the world because I got the chance to come to Washington and ultimately yep. finish my career here. And you know, this is the place I wanted to be drafted. They drafted Sean Taylor, who was a heck of a football player before he was murdered. And so I understood why they took him over me. But man, I always wanted to wanted to come here. And uh, I know I'm kind of long winded, but I remember joking with Sean at a Pro Bowl hmm. um, the year before he died about coming to Washington, and he was all for it. And, even said, you know, just how selfish he was. He even told me, man, I'll give you number 21. Like, you can have it. Wow. Just come play with me. And so, um, you know, I always in the back of my mind felt like I was, you know, coming to Washington to play with Sean all those years ago. And for all those people that don't know, you played at Deep Creek High School in Chesapeake, Virginia, where you rushed for more than 1,300 yards and 30 touchdowns as a senior first-team All-State selection as a defensive back and a kick returner. So you lit it up in the Virginia area. Were you at the Pro Bowl when Sean Taylor lit up Brian Mormon, the Bills punter? Mormon is going to fake it on the run, and he's going to come up short. Oh! Oh, Sean Taylor! <laughs> yes. Yes, I was. So was I. Part, Sean wasn't even supposed to be on the roster. We had a guy get hurt. I think it might have been Roy Williams. And so Sean came in kind of late edition, maybe on a Thursday, and we play those games on Sunday. And so it was crazy without a doubt. But even in practice, man, Sean was full speed, 100 miles an hour. We all in shorts and T-shirts and chilling. And Sean's out there running as fast as he can and cleats and, you know, giving us everything he had. So, you know, a little bit that point of no man that, Sean only knew one speed, and that was all out. <laughs> but that punter found out that day. That was one of the most incredible hits I've ever seen at a football game, certainly in person, and what a player he was, and he still missed to this day. I've got to ask you over that long career, who the best wide receiver, most difficult receiver you've ever had to cover was? Oh, I tell people all the time, man, it's Randy Moss. It's not even close. It's not even close. Randy Moss was the only receiver I played against through the course of my career that I wouldn't say kept me up at night, but definitely had me worry every play because he was one of the few guys that I felt like could run with me. You know what I mean? Maybe even be faster than me. No one else that I ever stepped on the football field playing against 
scared me or intimidated me the way Randy did. And so, um, to me, it's Randy Moss without a doubt. Hmm. Also want to ask you, what do you think the Redskins are losing with Kendall Fuller and how Washington will fare this season without him? Um, you know, I think they're losing one of their best defensive backs. You know, uh, a smart guy uh, who, who understood football. Um, you know, we had a new DB coach, Torian Gray, who came from Virginia Tech. And oddly enough, he was Kendall's DB coach. And so a lot of the verbiage at first was kind of hard for us to, you know, to pick up and really – understand and Kendall was kind of that mediator and that go-between who who was able to, you know, liken a lot of our situations and situations that that coach had coached him up on, you know, prior to that in college. And so, you know, he was invaluable in that room as far as helping everyone. And so he's going to definitely be missed as far as just being, you know, a quiet assassin and leader um, in, that, in that secondary. But, uh, you know, he's moving on to bigger and better things. Uh, you know, he's going to get an opportunity to start down there in Kansas City. And, you know, those DB coaches I know very well, being an Emmett Thomas coach, me as a rookie in, uh, in Atlanta. And, uh, and and old Al Harris was a former uh, cornerback himself who I've known for a long time. So I think Kendall's going to shine out there, man, and I wish him nothing but the best. And I do want to ask you also what you remember about tying the NFL record with four interceptions in that game against Jay Cutler on October 24, 2010. What do you remember, D'Angelo? You know what? Oddly enough, what no one talked about, all those interceptions were in the second half. I can just remember it being a back-and-forth game, the whole game. And, um, you know, and the first interception was, you know, at the halftime, like I said. And, uh, and I just remember Devin Hester running the curl route, and I'm, <laughs> you know, kind of reading Hester's eyes, and I can see he's starting to break his route down, and I just – you know, I get out my break before he did, and I'm like, oh, man. And so I make a very athletic diving uh, <laughs> uh, interception for the first one. Uh, you know, the second one, they uh, all-out blitz we have, they was just a little late on the, on the out route, and I was able to pick that off and run it all the way back. Blitz coming. And D'Angelo Hall snatches it away and races down the sideline with a man to beat. He got a block, and Hall will go the distance. My, oh, my. Second was a slant route. I'm in two-man coverage sitting inside, pressing, and I just was able to, you know, keep the receiver outside of me and uh, picked it off pretty easily. Third interception for D'Angelo Hall. And the last one just, you know, was a cover three. I was just bailing out in coverage, and they just kind of, you know, fourth quarter, a couple seconds. You know, left in the game, just threw it up for me there. Deep ball. D'Angelo Hall with his fourth interception of the game. You know, on a, on a silver platter. So I can remember all of them like it was yesterday. Do, do cornerbacks get in a zone like shooters in basketball? Like you start picking off passes and you just feel like you're going to get every one that comes your way? You know what? I was definitely in a zone. No doubt about it. Um, you know, it felt like no matter what he threw, no matter what that receiver ran, I felt like I had a chance to, uh, Stop the route, and so uh, yeah, yeah. I definitely felt like I was uh, Michael Jordan in the zone without a doubt. <laughs> well, D'Angelo, I want to thank you for taking some time today to join me on the Adam Schefter podcast. I want to wish you luck in the next chapter of your life, whether that's playing again for the Los Angeles Rams, another NFL team, or taking my job here with ESPN as an NFL insider or analyst. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, Adam. Your job's safe, though, man. Nobody gets <laughs> spooked like you, man. You are 
You're the best in the business. You have nothing to worry about. I appreciate you, D'Angelo. I always have. Thank you very much for the time today. All right, Adam. No problem. The sound you heard of the Sean Taylor hit came to us courtesy of CBS, while the highlights of D'Angelo Hall's interceptions are courtesy of Fox Sports. We'll be back with Raiders linebacker and recent college graduate Bruce Irvin in a moment. But first, I want to tell you about hymns. Guys, here's the problem. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. The thing is, when you start to notice hair loss, it's too late. It's easier to keep the hair you have than to replace the hair you've lost. Is that hairline slowly starting to move backwards? Any bold spots yet? How will you feel a year from now if it's business as usual up there? I ask you, do you want a bold spot to pop up or do you want to do something about it first? Why do guys turn to weird solutions or do nothing when they can turn and try medicine and science? Well, here's the solution for hymns.com, a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and other wellness supplements for men. Thanks to science, boldness can be optional. Hims connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. These are well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. There are no snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. These are prescription solutions backed by science. No waiting rooms, no awkward doctor visits. Save hours by going to 4 It's so easy. All you have to do is answer a few quick questions, and the doctor will review and can write you a prescription. And the products are shipped directly to your door. Order now. My listeners get a trial month of hymns for just $5 right now while supplies last. See website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. Go to 4 slash A-S. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash A-S. 4 slash A-S. Hello, Bruce. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. Just watching the film. How you doing? The off-season going okay? Yeah, I'm healthy still, so I can't complain. <laughs> my friend John Gruden treating you okay? Yeah, that's my guy, man. We, we, he's doing a great job so far. Yeah, how come? Uh, just letting guys be who they are. Yeah. Uh, you know, not, not coming in and you know, demanding this and that, you know, uh, you know, he's been out the game eight or nine years. So, you know, he was in one, one you know, in the old school, two a days type things was in. So just coming in and understanding the new CBA and understanding the new, you know, the new millennial guys that, that play the game today, he just lets everybody be themselves. You just got to work. I'll in a little secret. He hates the new rules of the CBA. He hates them. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to work you guys a lot harder than he actually can. Uh, well, you're doing a great job, uh, Justin. <laughs> well, the reason I wanted to get you on this podcast today is I thought one of the most significant things that happened this entire off season was you getting your college degree. When I saw that, I thought it was incredible. I wanted to know what motivated you, who dropped out of high school in suburban Atlanta as a junior, to graduate college now as an NFL player. I mean, everybody know my story. It's just, you know, it just adds another chapter to it, man. You know, me doing that, you know, not only for me, but, you know, it's for my son. You know, uh, you know, he can, when kids say, you know, your dad was in the NFL, he can say, yeah, he was a good NFL player. But he also graduated from college, you know. Uh, you know, some things are just bigger than football, and, you know, some things are just bigger than you. And, and that's one of those things where, when I, you know, if I, I felt like if I did that, if I accomplished that, um, 
you know, it would it would it would speak volumes. And you know, uh, you know, it, it, it was bigger than me, man. So you know, from my own family, I've been the first to ever do it. Uh, you know, it was, it was a lot of meaning to it. You know, it was it was a great feeling. You mentioned that you were the first person in your family to do it. What do you remember about your graduation day here a couple of weeks ago? Uh, when I was sitting on the floor uh, with all the other students, um, I had my Super Bowl ring on, I'm always going I was boohoo crying like a, like a baby. You know, I text I text my mom like, man, I'm on the floor just boohoo crying. I think I tweeted. Hmm. I, I was like, I'm I'm crying like. Because I was just thinking about all the stuff I had been through, sleeping on the street, you know, you know, doing crazy stuff to to, to get get money, provide. It just, you know, all that all that just hit me at one time. Like, man, you overcame all that, and you're right here, you know. I'm just happy I could add another chapter to my book. You mentioned sleeping on the streets, being on the streets. What was the lowest point that you had to overcome to get to where you are today and get that graduate degree? Um, the lowest point, I would say, uh, it, it was a few, you know, because, you know, when I got to junior college, you know, I thought I had, you know, beat the streets and all that stuff. I got my GED. I went to junior college. I still was in the dilemma, you know. I, I was an out-of-state student, so, you know, I was my tuition each semester was 3800 hmm. damn near $4,000, and, you know, Good thing I had my mentor, Chad, and, you know, he was fortunate enough to, you know, he was helping me, you know, do that. You know, I was living in a two-bedroom, uh, two-bedroom run bath with 12 Polynesians, you know. So, you know, it was it was a lot of low points, man, you know. I could, then I get in trouble before the draft, uh, you know. I went and killed a combine. I get arrested two weeks later in Morgantown. That was a low point. So, uh, uh, it was a lot of low points, man. Uh, you know, it was just me about – me always bouncing back, you know, always, uh, you know, overcoming it and doing what doing. I had to do to beat it and, and put it behind me. You mentioned your your mentor, Chad. Who who are you referring to there, Bruce? Uh, Chad Allen. I, I call him my my older brother, but um, you know, I met him while I was uh, homeless, and uh, you know, he kind of like took me into his house, helped me get my GED. Uh, he helped me apply online. We actually applied online for junior college, you know, and I just showed up, you know. So I had no film because, you know, I had I had dropped out, so I wasn't playing. So, you know, he, he was the one who, you know, he helped me apply and helped me get set up to, to, to where I had um, went to school at, ended up going to school at junior college. What was the longest amount of time that you were actually homeless? When I got when I got locked up in 2017, it was it was June 2017. I got locked up, and then um, after that, uh, I never I, I never lived with my mom after that. After after June 20 23rd of 2007, that's the day I got locked up, um, and I was in jail for like two and a half weeks. I never I never I never lived with her after that. So um, I'm in pretty much, and that's nothing against her. It's just uh, you know I was getting in trouble, I wasn't living right. So, uh, you know, I, you wanna you wanna be a man, go be a man. You know, that's the kind of situation it was. So, uh probably not. I haven't I haven't lived I've been on my own since I was two thousand seven. So what is the timeline would you say that you were actually on the streets, living on the streets like that? Uh probably from June to probably I met Chad in 
I met Chan in September mm-hmm. of the same year because I took my GED test December 23rd of 2007, and I got the results uh, like January 3rd, and I entered junior college January 8th of 2008. So probably from June to about September. But then you had other incidents, and you mentioned being arrested uh, just before the draft in March of 2012 on charges of destruction of property, disorderly conduct. Mm-hmm. What turned it around for you, Bruce? Um, I mean, I'm, I was always one of those guys where, you know, I'm going to keep doing it, I'm going to keep doing it until I get burnt. You know, some some, some people learn like that. Unfortunately, I was, I'm that guy. So, uh, you know, that was just kind of, you know, I was in the club in college, too much to drink, and just making a bonehead decision. Um, you know, and, and 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 you know, I thought that cost me my first round chances. You know, I stayed in my hotel room in Morgantown because I was working out there still. I stayed in the Marriott for for so I got locked up Saturday, mm-hmm. so it didn't hit the newspaper Sunday. So Monday morning when it hit. I didn't come out of my room for probably a week and a half at the Marriott in Morgantown. Wow. So, I mean, that wasn't even, that wasn't even the last hiccup. If you, if you remember, I got suspended in 2013 for the, uh, for the Adderall. So, That's right. <laughs> see? I've... So, uh, it's been numerous occasions, man. It's just, you know, uh, I just finally figured it out, bro. I just, you know, I got, you only can get burnt so many times till you figure out, like, damn, let me not do this no more. It's just, I'm tired of getting burnt. I'm tired of having setbacks. So that was that's how I kind of looked at it. Is it fair to say that you have absolutely turned the corner, never to go back around that corner again? That you won't have any of these hiccups ever again, Bruce? Oh no, nah, man, I'm I'm over that. Uh, I'm in a I'm in a whole different situation that I ever was in Seattle, and that's no knock to Seattle because. You know, that's a great city, great organization. You know, they gave me a chance nobody else did. But I'm in a whole different role here. Uh, you know, in Seattle, we have so many guys, you know, um, you know, I didn't have to be a leader. I can just come to work, do my job, and go home. Um, but in Oakland, it's like I'm just – I'm older. I've, I've experienced a lot, and, you know, guys look up to me. You know, guys look at me. If we got if we got 10 reps in the weight room, guys looking at it's seeing if I'm doing eight or nine, if I'm doing all the ten. So uh, it's just little stuff like that. Younger guys asking me questions, how to do this, this and that. And I got, you know, that keeps me on my game because, you know, I have to come home and get in my book, which I was just doing when you call. That's all I do. I come home and watch film, watch film, watch film because, you know, it ain't about me no more. I got to lead a group of guys, especially with Khalil going. I got to, I got, I got, to, I got to hold these guys to a certain standard, but I got to hold myself to a certain standard also. So. Um, I can't let these guys down. I won't. And, um, you know, I'm just thankful for Oakland, man. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm still, I'm still here. Your team went out and drafted a bunch of players this past uh, April: Bruce Colton Miller, mm-hmm. P.J. Hall, Brandon Parker, Arden Key, Nick mm-hmm. Nelson, Maurice Hurst, on and on. What would you tell these young guys who are now entering the NFL about what they should be doing? to prolong and keep alive their NFL careers? Uh, like, man, it's, 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 it's a dog-eat-dog business, man. It's a draft every year. Uh, that's how I look at it. Um, you know, guys coming here and, you know, 
yeah, you 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 got here, but can you stay here? You know, it, you know, staying in the NFL is hard, man. You got I'm 30 years old out here with 22, 23 year old guys, fresh out of college. So man, it's it's a job, and I always tell younger guys, you got these older dudes in here who has who have families, you know, have kids in school, have have wives, and they're not just gonna let you come in here and take food off their off their family plate. So you know, you got to come to work, man. You know these. These I always I tell my room these seats are these are these, these are loaner seats, mm-hmm. you know they, they, the Raiders are loaning us these seats. These these are not ours forever. So you get in here, you do what you got to do, and you try to maintain, take care of your body, uh, stay away from the BS, and uh, you know you can be good. But uh, you know I always tell a rookie man, you always got to be worried about the ones who come in showing too many teeth. That's what they always tell me in Seattle. Like, you don't be don't be come in smiling all the time. You know, you just come in and be ready to work. So that's always my biggest thing for guys. Just just come in ready to work, man, and, and, and everything you want and get out of this game. In the third round, you picked Arden Key, eighty-seven overall. A lot of people viewed him as a first-round talent who fell on the board because of some character concerns. Have you had the chance to speak to him individually to offer him any guidance, Bruce? Uh, I see him every day. He's sit right next to me. You know. He's he, he, he's he's keeping Khalil's seat warm while Khalil right there because you know me and Khalil sit next to each other in minutes. But um, no, from from what I've seen so far, man, he's a young kid. Uh, you know, everybody makes mistakes. I'm walking testament of that. You know, uh, you know, but he he's coming in there. He's ready. He, he's willing to work. He's willing to learn. He's asking questions. He follows me everywhere. Um, um, and I you know I see a really a really lot of on the field Alden Smith. In, in him, um, you know, and, and that's big because Alden was no slouch. Alden was, you know, could have been one of the greats to ever play this game. And, you know, uh, Alden has all the same attributes. He's just as long, can bend just as good, you know. Uh, you know, so uh, we're, we're going to keep him on. We're going to keep his head on straight, you know, because we need him. You know, we, we never can have too many rushes. And, you know, if you know us, we've been with 25th and 32nd last two years in sacks. So we need sacks and we need rushers. So, uh, you know, he's a great kid and, 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 I'm, and I've taken him under my wing and I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep him, I'm going to keep him under control. That's Arden Key. Have you had any contact with Alden Smith who's running to some issues? Oh, no. Oh, no. I, I haven't, man. But I wish Alden the best. Uh, you know, I, I don't like to speak on no man's situation. Yeah. But, you know, I wish him the best, man. And, uh, you know, I'm praying for him always. Let me ask you, what's what's a better feeling? You won the Super Bowl with the Seahawks in 2013. Is it better to win a Super Bowl or put on the cap and gown and make the walk, Bruce? Man, that's a, that's that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Maybe, may, I would say maybe, ah, that's a tough one. <laughs> that's a tough one, man. Maybe if I would have won back-to-back Super Bowls <laughs> like I was supposed to, then... <laughs> And then it was probably would have been the Super Bowl. It was probably, uh, I would say graduating, man, because, you know, I didn't even graduate high school. I got a GED and, you know, all type of stuff I had to go to. So I would say, you know, winning the Super Bowl is a, is, 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 is a great honor. Don't get me wrong, because you got guys like Dan Marino who never won. And, you know, Jim Kelly, guys like those who never won. So, you know, that was a great accomplishment. But I just think, uh, you know, you know, uh, graduating was, was really big for me, especially me coming from my situation. And did it mean even more that you were the first member of your family to do it? Yeah, that, that that's that's really big. Um, you know, it, it, it just like I said, it was about not only me, about 
more than me. My, my family, my legacy, my last name, my son, and you know, motivating him to want to do the same thing. So it was big for me, man. It was big. I commend you to go from where you came from to becoming a Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee, a college graduate, a, a respected leader in that locker room, Bruce. That is a job well done. I salute you. Appreciate it, Adam. And so that's this week's edition of the Adam Schefter Podcast. Thank you again to D'Angelo Hall for shedding light on his future. And thank you again and congratulations to the West Virginia college graduate, Bruce Irvin. We'll be back with another Adam Schefter Podcast next week. And thank you all for listening to this week's edition.